Well, in the light of the gospel, the Lord doesn't suggest, but He, he commands uh, peace, unity, care, love for one another. And uh, a desire to see the, the world filled with the glory of God as the, the waters cover uh, the sea. And this chapter is uh, a very key and a very powerful one. It follows on from chapters 1 to 11 that give a very clear description of uh, all God has done for us in our desperate need. Uh, left to ourselves, I'm sure we'd still have religion in the world, but there'd be no hope. We'd be trying our best and hoping for the best, but it would be a hopelessness. There'd be no assurance of any salvation. There'd be no salvation to be had just a judgment to come. But uh, oh, what mercy, oh, what grace, oh, what love He's uh, shown towards us that uh, planned in eternity past, the triune God counseling together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to rescue people like you and me. And uh, to get rid of our sin, sin must be paid for. The wages of sin is, is death. And there is a hell. And nobody surely wants to go to, to hell. God is very clear. He desires that none should perish. So the rescue plan is um, foreshadowed in the Old Testament and prophesied. And then the Lord Jesus Christ actually comes and lives that perfect life. If I'm to get to heaven, I need a clean life. And Jesus lives it for me. He's, he's my representative. He's my only hope. It's not religion, it's not church going. It's nothing I do or say or imagine. It's all in Jesus Christ. He's 33 years absolutely vital. He's weaving a robe of righteousness for you and for me that uh, we can wear here and now. We're clothed in it, it covers us. But then there's still my debt to pay, and he pays it in full. And on the cross, on the cross, all our sin on Jesus was laid. He bore my burden all the way to, to Calvary. Uh, Calvary, hell on earth. He takes the wrath of a holy God that I'd be forever experiencing. How come it's just those few hours, those few hours? On the cross, here we have the eternal Son of God bearing the wrath of His heavenly Father in my place. Condemned, He stood Sealed my pardon with his blood. There's a mystery here, there's an eternal dimension. And yet as he dies, he can declare, tetelestai, accomplished, it is finished. And the debt is paid in full. For everybody, no, only those who will trust in him. God desires that none should perish. What about you tonight? What is your uh, desire? Do you want to be saved? Anybody here not saved? How often have you come to this building and heard this glorious gospel and sung the gospel hymns, and you're still not saved. Oh, may your ears be opened, may your heart be warmed, may your eyes see. It happened to me, it can happen to you. I went into a church service very reluctantly and found myself believing. Holy God, sinful me, Jesus Christ, the answer to my greatest need. So here is the gospel. And I've been forgiven in Jesus Christ. The debt 
completely wiped away. Not only that, he doesn't leave me neutral, he clothes me in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have this happy relationship with him. Relationship restored and the certainty of heaven to come, not because of what I've done, or else I'd always be in doubt, but all because of what Jesus Christ has done as a fact of history. Now in the light of that, I've got to be different. And that's what the second part of all the epistles is about. Application of the gospel. The first half is all the gospel generally. And the second half is focusing on in the light of this. And so Paul begins the, uh, the chapter uh, here. I beseech you, he has to actually say please to these people and to you and me. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, Another translation, in view of all that God in His mercy has done for us, I plead with you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. How am I to, uh, to do that? Well, you need your mind enlightening and changing. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So it's all in the light of the gospel. There must be in me and in you a daily, moment by moment, consistent, radical change. And I've never actually reached the target this side of glory. I have always dreaded, and I want to challenge you again, the position where I feel I've reached a plateau. And it may be, well, I've been a believer now by the grace of God for 46 years. It'll be 47 this coming summer. And uh, the dread is that we feel we've arrived. Can anybody beat 47 years in the faith here? I'm sure many of you can always looking to know more of him, always looking to subdue and mortify the flesh and sin, and always looking to be transformed in my mind, begins there, think about it. But only think about it, let it sink into your affections, but not only our affection, affections, but also then to galvanize the will, and it's hard work. Hard work doesn't just happen by sitting back and letting it happen. So I need to be in God's Word and asking Him to enlighten me, warm me and thrill me and change me. And so he goes on in this chapter. I'm just going to jump on a couple of aspects of uh, what God is asking from us. As I serve the living God, I, as a Christian, have been given certain gifts, and every believer has gifts. We looked at this on a, a Wednesday evening, and uh, there isn't a single believer who hasn't a gift from God or, or gifts. Well, like a body, and a body has many parts, so has the local church. And uh, we're not all pastors, or else it would be a little bit crowded up, up here uh, tonight. Uh, we're not all good at uh, 
making teas and coffees. We're not all good at having a nice smiley face on, on the door. We're not all good at uh, teaching. We're not all good at uh, being uh, welcoming and practicing hospitality. We all have our particular gifts and they all need to be used that the body might function uh, well. And that's the next section, verses 3 uh, through to 8. But then comes something very, very important indeed. Verse 9 is quite a turning point in the chapter. It's one thing to have my, my gifts, but how will I use my gifts? Well, they have to be used with grace. They have to be used with the chief of graces, and the chief is love. The greatest of these is love. And he describes this love now in the chapter, and he gives aspects of this love. He says, let love and its agape be without any hypocrisy. Let it be genuine. There's a challenge. Let it be sincere. Let it flow from me to you, from you to me, to me to you, coming from the Father, being shed abroad in our hearts. Let love be without any hypocrisy. And that's the true mark of the Christian. That my life is transformed, that there's grace. It only comes from God. The world can try and imitate certain parts of God's work in the Christian's life. There's some things he'll never get close to, and one of them is, is love. This genuine, unhypocritical love that God pours into our hearts as we sit in his presence and take in his word. Gifts can be, can be feigned, can be imitated by the enemy. There are natural dispositions that, that we have. The fact that a man can stand in a pulpit and preach clearly the gospel is no guarantee that that man is saved. And some of the most searching words in the whole of the Bible come from Jesus Christ himself in the Sermon on the Mount. Many, and that's scary. Many. This is Jesus. Will say to me, on that day, here's the greater size, being drawn into God's presence. Think about this with the young people on the camp reunion uh, this morning, the end of all things and the greater size and uh, the gathering together and the great separation. And some are going to be shocked on that day. Why am I on the left? Lord, didn't, didn't we prophesy in your name? Well, there's the preacher. Didn't we perform miracles in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And I will say to them, depart from me. Here's the problem. I never knew you. Now, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Not in theory, but as a living reality. How do I know? How do I know? Three tests. Here we go again. Three tests. Number one, and very fundamentally, it happened to me in, in August 1976, sat in a service, suddenly I believe the word of God is true. All right? Now, nobody did any uh, apologetics for me. I'm not against apologetics. We'll probably have some apologetics this, this week. I, but, uh, and they, they have a place. And they'll say, let me prove to you the Bible is the word of God. And therefore, it's the word. Let me prove to you that Jesus Christ 
uh, rose from the dead. Do, 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 therefore, well, just believe that and you're a Christian. No, it's, it's not words of human wisdom. What happened to me was God himself, by his Spirit, revealed these remarkable things. This is the word of God. I am a sinner. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and lived and died and rose again for not just the world, for me. For me. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within me and begins to transform. That's one level of assurance. I believe the word of God. I was saying to the youngsters this morning, you know, I can wake up some mornings. Now, listen this, listen. True faith knows times of doubt. Cults never seem to doubt. All smiley, smiley, happy, happy, happy. Now, I can wake up in the morning and think, is, is this really true? And the sleep's rub out of my eyes, and uh, what have I been doing all these years? Then I have a cup of coffee, I've had my shower, and it's, it's true. It's true. I believe the Word of God. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a level of assurance. And then, higher than that, but built on that, is this change that's happened. And I can look back by the grace of God over 46 and a half years now, and I can wonder where I'd be tonight, apart from the grace of God, that He has been working in me and changing me from one degree of glory to another. A transformed life. This love that I feel for you, and you, I'm sure, feel for me. We can't make it up. All right? Put it reverently, carefully, in a sense we were stuck with it. Here it is. It's God working out His purposes. It's a wonderful level of assurance. This change, this transformation, the Bible and the Gospel actually works. That's a wonderful assurance. And what a demonstration to a watching world. Do you know, many of your friends in college and your friends and neighbours and family, they're wondering if the Gospel is true. And they're watching you and me. Let's not disappoint them by failing to strive in this area of manifest love for each other and for a needy world. There is another level of assurance that rides on the Word of God and a changed life, and it's something very direct and wonderful where the Spirit Himself witnesses with our spirits, and He says, banish all those doubts. You are a child of God. Something wonderful. Sometimes a, a light surprises a Christian while he sings. It can be just singing a hymn. It can be in prayer. It can be talking with a fellow believer. It can be in a preaching service. And suddenly reality uh, is shed abroad in our hearts. Oh, the wonder of Christian assurance. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let it be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Now, love is discerning. It's not well, I'll love everything and everybody. There is um, an abhorrence of evil, the love of God, and there is a clinging to that which is good. Love is discerning uh, here. And I would seek your good and you seek my good. And we're not yes 
men and women to each other. Um, there can be, well, we ought to correct each other, but we do it in love and we do it carefully. Abhor what is evil, cling to, and the Greek word suggests stick to, uh, be glued to those things which are good. So gifts can be counterfeited, but grace is the real evidence of the life of God in the soul of a man, a woman, a child, or a young person. Now, has that happened to you? Do you find yourself believing the gospel? Do you see that change in your affections and your desires? Do you love to be here? If you don't, fight. Fight. Ask Him to help you. See that it's a problem when you don't desire. Oh, but I can't get along with the preaching. Think more. Ask God to help you. Oh, it's a bit complicated. He's given you a wonderful brain. Wonderful brain. Some things will be difficult. Other things are more straightforward. Oh, I don't get along with some of the old hymns. Do you know, I remember coming here for the first time. I'd been two years in a, a Pentecostal church and uh, a student said to me, how about coming along to the Heath Evangelical? This is in the late 1970s. I'd never heard of the Heath Evangelical, but I, I came along. And uh, yeah, I'd been used to redemption hymnal. I still choose some of those at times when I'm uh, preaching and Wynne seems to enjoy some of them uh, as well. But uh, we didn't get that here. The organ struck up. It was probably Brian Parry playing that that morning. And uh, everyone stood up, so I stood up as well. I didn't know what, no, no one said anything. And uh, is it, we love the place, oh God, that we sang in the morning. And we sat down and uh, the Bible was open. Passage was read, Sermon on the Mount. And uh, then there was a little children's story. Then uh, another hymn and then a prayer. Well, the place was ram-packed, by the way. You, there was yeah, people just... And uh, I thought, this is very boring. wasn't used to those sorts of, of hymns. And then the pastor started to preach. Now, there's nothing wrong with the preaching in City Temple at the time. Two good, godly men, Pastor Holmes, Pastor Hunston. And I benefited but there was something very special here. And uh, it was like sparks flying out from the page. And I kept coming. Um, I grew to love the more thoughtful hymns in the minor keys. And uh, wonderful, wonderful words. Great Welsh tunes to go with them. But what kept me coming was the Word of God preached in the power of of the Spirit. And that's what really matters. That's what really, really matters. Oh, to love to be here and to love to hear uh, God's Word. And it's all in the light of what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Since He's done that, He's shed abroad His love into my heart. He's saved me, washed away my sin. I'm heaven bound. And then He says to me, you need to love your fellow believers. I find it very, very challenging. At times I don't find it easy. And I'll put on a false smile. 
And oh, he says, that won't do. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let it be genuine. Father, I can't. I find it hard. That's why I sent my spirit. You ask, and how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? There's that person there, and they seem, just don't seem to like me. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Let's just work through this. Uh, see, after that heading, we've got aspects of love. What does this love look like? I'll just quickly go through this and uh, highlight a couple of points, and then we're, we're through. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Be kindly affectionate. Uh, Philadelphia, love the, the brethren with the philostoria, love with a family love. This is, we are a family, so are you a member here? If not, why not, by the way? If not, why not? Do, do see the pastor. Now, he's not here tonight, so that's why I'm here, as, as you know. But uh, membership, yes, come and, come and ask about membership just in, in, in passing. But here we are, we're a family. And at times, families don't get on, but we, we still love each other. That's saying that blood is uh, thicker than, than water. Well, I'll tell you something thicker than blood, and that's the Spirit of God. And the ties that we forge here with each other are unbreakable. If your family members are unconverted, then our family ties are stronger in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must, but I find this hard, Lord, I will help you, my child. Just ask me for help, but see what I'm asking and ask me for help. In honour, giving preference to one another. Now, it's being realistic. It's looking after each other's interests, having each other's back, caring for each other, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Don't be slothful in doing well. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, our hope is glory, but we go through times of tribulation, so rejoice in your hope. Where's the joy here? <laughs> nice to see one or two smiles. Where's the joy? I've got the joy, 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 joy. Where? Down in my heart. So deep with some of us, you wonder if it's there at all. Let it come out. Let it come out. And not that we have a fixed grin, but there's something wonderful in the light of the gospel. Forgiven. I get so excited, an old chorus, I remember from my student days, I get so excited, Lord, every time I realize that I'm forgiven. Forgiven. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are, are gone. We're glory bound, but there are times of tribulation that we go through, patience, a steadfastness. Oh, I'm going to give it up, but I, I didn't reckon for this. Well, he promised us no more, no less. In this world you will have tribulation, but fear not, I have overcome uh, the world. This love continues. Look at this, this is wonderful. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Uh, those in need. 
I was talking to a member in the tea room, coffee shop, just in the week, lovely, sat down half an hour, and a nice long chat, and uh, the lady said to me, you know what, I've been coming here for years, lots of folks I, I don't know, and uh, do you know if there are any needs, this was lovely, any, do you know if there are any needs in the church, anybody who needs some, some help? And uh, I, th I thought, and she said, you know, I, I, I don't know people well enough to, I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll inquire, I'd, I like to help, I like to, but I, I need to know where the help is needed. Well, how lovely. That's this love in, in action, isn't it wonderful? Given to hospitality. It's not bringing down the portcullis and pulling up the drawbridge. I was saying on Wednesday night, when we were first married, Jill and I, a little one-bedroom flat with a shower in the kitchen. And, uh, but yeah, it was lovely to have people around. Not for a big meal, we just couldn't do it. But coffee and a biscuit and a little chat and a how are you. remember having Mr. and Mrs. Hyam round to our little flat. And, uh, and yeah, just, just, just make us tea and, tea and biscuits. That'll be enough. And so we, we had them uh, around. But opening up our homes and sharing our hearts and our lives with, with each other. Gets a bit tough now. Verse 14. Bless those. This is this love. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So twice we're told to bless who? Those who persecute us. And sadly, it can come within the church as well. And I know, as uh, I mean, I had a generally blessed 21 years at, at St. Melons, but there were times of opposition. And, and pastors and ministers of the gospel can be easy targets. Here we are in the pulpit, and people can think, well, he shouldn't have said that, he shouldn't have done that, shouldn't be wearing that, shouldn't have that attitude. And uh, the opposition can, can come. Now, you've had times of opposition, maybe even within the church family. How can it happen? Well, we're not understanding Romans chapters 1 to 11. I mean, to dwell there in the light of that. Put aside those little things. Let's focus on the main thing. Jesus Christ and Him crucified for a, a lost world, a hell-bound world. And we're contemplating our navels. I'm wondering about an instrument or a hymn tune or a shame on us. Love each other deeply from the heart. May, may love be sincere and without hypocrisy. But those who, who oppose you, what's my attitude? Well, it's not enough, according to the Bible. And I read a quotation from Calvin, I think, on Wednesday night. It's not enough here just not to take personal, not to get your own back on somebody who's oppose you it's not enough to do that it's not enough not just to say well I I I won't get my own back but but I I hope something nasty happens to them as well no we're, we're cut short there that won't do that's not the love of God shed abroad in our hearts it's that you actually wish them well and bless them positively blessed twice in the same verse bless them bless them and late, later on Repay no one evil for evil. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Bless them. Don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Now, I want to focus on this, and I think with this we'll probably come to a conclusion. And it's verse 16. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble do not be wise 
in your own opinion. Now, I want to read that same verse in the English Standard Version. Live in harmony with one another. Here we are. What does this love look like? In the view of the love of God in the Gospel, if I've understood it, I'm forgiven, I'm a blood-bought child of God, that I'm marching to Zion, a few more revolutions of the earth, and I'm going to be into eternity, uh, bliss and, and glory. In the light of that, and you're my brothers and sisters, how, how are we to live together as a local church? It's a lovely description here. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lonely. Never be wise in your own sight. Let's just take that first phrase in the English translation here. Um, live in harmony with one another. There's a real allusion here in harmony to, uh, to an orchestra. And I've never been good at playing instruments, but some of you are very talented in that area. Maybe you played in an orchestra. Lots of different instruments. It's not all violins. It would sound very bland. It's not all um, uh, flutes. It's not all piano. It's not all... Um, I'm running out of instruments. See, I'm not very musical. It, it, it's not all woodwind. It's, uh, there's a... They're complement. There's a wonderful harmony, a cacophony, and it's all brought together. Be, now, as we are together here in the life of the church, we're different instruments making different notes and sounds. But in an orchestra, I know this, you go and see them, and uh, at the start, there's all this screeching noise going on, wailing, and uh, it starts off with an oboe. Do you know this? Any musicians here? It starts with the oboe. And the oboe plays a note, and it's A. And it's at 440 hertz. Sometimes, if the conductor is a bit fussy, he puts it up a bit to 442 hertz, which gives you a brighter sound, apparently. But as that oboe sounds out its A, all the other instruments start to tune to that one oboe. And we need to be in harmony together. And where's our spiritual oboe? Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy. Listen to this. Never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious measure. Melodious now. Sung by flaming tongues above. Let me join in with the angels. Oh, the vast, the boundless treasure of my Lord's un. Changing, unfailing, what love. Love tuned to thee, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our keynote. He's the great conductor. And then on comes the flute. And the melody of grace is played and ought to be dominating. The dominant theme here in the life of the church ought to be the melody of grace. But then come in the strings. And it adds some depth and some wonderful color. Oh, the woodwinds are all joining in now. Oh, there's that oboe uh, again. Oh, some cello. Few, few bass notes coming here. Little rumble of the drums. And then occasionally, there's a clash of the cymbal. Now, if you're a cymbal player in the congregation, don't get overexcited, okay? Don't be clashing that cymbal all the time. Don't be impatient. There'll be time for you to clash the cymbal. But it's at his command. 
as he conducts all this love of God, that we are in harmony uh, together. Let me just open this up a little bit more because the Greek word translated harmony here is phroneo. So a good translation is this, live in understanding with one another. With this, I'll probably draw us towards a close tonight. It's ten past seven. Live with understanding. The lady I had a chat with in the tea room, the coffee shop, whatever you want to call it, over there. She said, I, I don't know really the needs of the church. I've been here many years and I can't get upstairs. Live with understanding with each other. Be in harmony. Now, to help you, I've got to know you. For you to help me, you've got to know me. And not just in a superficial way. We really need to know each other. And that's why when the service ends, it's good to hang around if you can. And over times, you know, you've got to get home for the roast or whatever, somebody's coming. There's tea and coffee served out the back. The after meetings, they're back up and, and running. And there's one other one next, next Sunday evening. And uh, looking forward to the, the title, Re Reality. And uh, go and as we're waiting for the official afternoon to start, we, we can talk to each other. Remember spending some time talking to you and uh, talking to this lady in the tea room and getting some more background of the, oh, the, the colour that comes and I can understand and live with understanding with each other. How can we help each other if we don't know each other? So I'm setting you a challenge. You who sit there week in and week out, how about going and sitting down here? Next week, I'll be watching. And uh, some of you are too old to get upstairs. Well, stay where you are. But if you can, get up. And you, I mean, you're always sitting here. Come on, move around a bit. You can't come up here. Okay, this is just for, just for me or the, or the pastor. But let's move around. Get to know some different people that we might live in understanding with each other. And then I challenge you, all the different meetings, ladies' meetings, get to them where you can. Toddler group, get there and ladies talk to each other. Ladies are better at this than men. The men's breakfast is wonderful. But I've seen already, we started at 55, I think we were 36 last time. And I'm thinking, hmm. come on men, we need that. It's great, it really is. Talking to people and getting a different table each time and underst living understanding that we might know each other support each other, pray for each other. I met a man at the last men's breakfast and he told me, oh, you're always about to, to retire. He's off somewhere and then he'll be finishing his uh, current job. He's still pretty young and looking for something. I, I had no idea. And so that's helpful. Live in understanding with one another. That tea room, coffee shop, that place through there, and the bookshop, it's a gem. What a blessing to the church. You know, and I, I love to go in and sit down. I'm, I'm maybe there, stands me to do some work, but people come past, they're, oh, are you free to sit and chat? Why don't we use it more? Let me challenge you, go there. With, if you don't need to buy a book, well, do buy a book, but certainly support them and buy a tea or a coffee and sit and, and, and chat. Sit and chat. Be great to see it open in the in the evenings, it's probably not open in the evening, but what a great place to go in the evenings. I mean, for young people to just, let's go to the coffee shop. And it's uh, 
Could it open till 9 o'clock? I don't know. Starbucks opens till about 11. Well, is it a venue? What a venue! Could it be used? Can we take people there? Can we talk together? Let love be genuine. Oh, I'd, I'd love to do that. But maybe it's a matter of finances or staffing. I don't know. But uh, it's worth exploring. Can we use that more and more? Oh, there's so much more I, that's on my, my heart. But read, read the chapter through and ask God to help these aspects of love. It's got to be genuine and without hypocrisy. And the world can see a sham and spot a sham. It's very off-putting. But the real thing, how attractive, how wonderful. See these Christians in the early church, see how they love one another. May it be said of us, but we need the grace and the help of God and we can ask him and he gives liberally. I'm going to leave it there. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for an all too brief time in your word. We pray, Lord, you continue to speak to us, each and every one, according to our need, that we might live the better collectively and individually to the glory of your name. If any need to be saved here tonight, may they call out to the Lord Jesus Christ and know the genuine truth of your word. Whoever calls on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Amen. Well, we're going to finish with uh, that great hymn on the, the, from, about the Christian family. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love.
And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.